Welcome to the Humanizing Work Show podcast, where we dig into topics large and small related to our mission, which is to help make work more fit for humans and all of us humans more capable of doing great work. You can learn more about humanizing work at humanizingwork.com. Welcome to the Humanizing Work Mailbag, where we answer questions from the Humanizing Work community. If you've got a question you've been noodling on, email us at mailbag at humanizingwork.com, and we'll see if we've got a good answer for you. Now, today's question came up in a discussion with a client who was talking about using the five whys approach to root cause analysis. And we mentioned in that discussion that there are a few things we don't love about the five whys approach and what we would do instead. Before we talk about that, let's make sure we define what we're talking about with the five whys. Five whys is a root cause analysis technique that was made famous by Taichi Ono, the creator of the Toyota production system. And it really is pretty much what it says on the tin, which is when you're faced with a problem, you ask why, and then you ask why of the answer, and then why of the answer. And Ono said it, it usually takes about five rounds of that before you get to what's really going on below the surface. And this is a great approach in certain situations for making sure that you don't just patch up a surface issue and you dig down to find out what's really going on. But it does have some issues. Yeah, and there's probably some benefit to trying to understand that deeper level of cause and effect, but that really only allows us to form a hypothesis about how the system works or how the system has worked historically. But in any kind of a system that is probably worth improving, there are usually many interconnected things going on, and those things are rarely stable enough for that type of analysis to accurately predict what to do next. And so what we like to do is instead get really clear on the goal, do enough analysis to understand a hypothesis of how the system works, and then start running multiple small parallel, if possible, experiments to try to better understand how the system will respond as you try to improve it towards that goal. So you may be doing something like five whys to kind of understand historically what happened there, but you're avoiding thinking, ah, I understand how it works now. I'm just going to flip that root cause and everything else will be better from there. Now, I think there's also an interpersonal issue with the five whys. If you're agreeing that you're playing the five whys game a la Toyota, it's probably fine. We're just going to ask why and we're not really talking about it. But I notice people who get into five whys have this leak into other areas where they start wanting to ask why all the time. And it's well-intentioned. Like I see this with product people a lot. Somebody comes to them with a request for a feature and they want to make sure they don't just accept the request and go build it. They want to understand what's going on behind it. So they ask why. And often they're surprised to find out that people get defensive when they ask why. I was just trying to find out the reasons behind it. And people are giving me answers like, well, why? Because it's important. Because I want it, which isn't very useful. So if why puts people on the defensive, we want to do something that signals curiosity instead of blame or accusation. And the best way to do that is to use a different kind of question to ask why. A question that starts with what. Like, what caused this, or what caused you to, or what led to, or what happened right before that? Or when it's uh, things like feature requests, I like to ask, what were you doing last time you wished you had that? Or, oh, that's interesting. Once you have that, what would you hope would happen next? What outcome would that produce for you? Notice all of these questions express curiosity and interest in what's going on. And somehow that gets people more engaged in finding what's going on below the surface than just asking why. 
Now, this would apply as well if you're trying to analyze a system, going back to how people typically use the five whys. What happened, and then what happened right before that? And then what led to that happening? We'll do the same thing, but especially for a team that is not used to doing the five whys, you probably get some benefit out of framing the questions differently in the same way that you would when you're framing those in a one-on-one conversation. I like the what happened right before uh-huh. question, Peter, because I find when people are doing the five whys, they often take really big logical leaps from some outcome to something that they believe caused it, but there were five steps of cause and effect in between. And the what happened right before makes people have to take small steps and prove the causation in there. So if you're going to treat it like a cause and effect system, that's a great way to make sure that you're not taking big logical leaps too. If you enjoyed this episode and want more content like this, the best thing you can do is subscribe to the podcast and rate it on your favorite podcasting platform. We'd love it if you shared the podcast with friends, family, and coworkers that you think might benefit from learning more about how to make work more fit for humans and humans more capable of doing great work. If you want help humanizing your work, you can find out about our products and services at humanizingwork.com. We spend much of our lives working, so let's make that investment meaningful for us and all of the people connected to it.